this whistleblowing I did was just about the embezzlement of the assets of a bank in Latvia. So it seemed like something about Latvia, and it seemed to be something about Russia as well, because they were laundering money for Russia. But the way that this has scaled up and has new connections, including connections to the American government, is uh, really mind-boggling. I don't think the development banks have done anything good since the Soviet Union collapsed. I mean, I think they've made everything worse in all of those countries. And this EBRD is no exception. I mean, one thing for sure that they're doing is they do these deals where the poor countries lose. They're intransparent deals that reverse back again, where it makes the country seem like it has made a good deal. It has privatized something for a big price, but it's not really true because it reverses back at even a higher price so that the poor countries lose even more money and they're even poorer than they were in the beginning. So it's, it's the opposite of a development bank. It's just making the countries worse. With the global economy being in shambles and central bankers moving towards a reset, it's never been a better time to protect your wealth by owning precious metals. Contact Andy at milesfranklin.com. Tell him Sarah sent you. He promised me he will guarantee you the lowest price anywhere in the country. Remember, email Andy at milesfranklin.com and tell him Sarah sent you. It's never been a better time to protect your future than now. So the, the newest thing is, uh, okay, you know about my book already. Uh, there's a newer thing, which is that a documentary producer in Latvia, his name is Ansis Pupuls, and his uh, documentary production company is called, I'm going to spell this for you also, it's called nemelua.lv. It's N-E-M-E-L-O dot L-V. That's the website where you can see his documentaries. And he's made several of them about uh, mafia banks in Latvia. And uh, the thing which uh, he did his most recent video and his most recent or documentary, his most recent documentary, which was televised in Latvia, uh, includes several interviews with several people, including an interview with me explaining what the EBRD is doing. Um, one of the people he tried to talk to is John Kerry. So what his concern is that he expressed to me is he said that it's really strange that John Kerry flew three times to meet the, the prime minister of Latvia to discuss Tim Collins' investment in this bank, Citadelli Bank. And I thought, wow, that is strange because John Kerry is an important person in the United States government. And why would he fly three times to meet a foreign prime minister to discuss a private investment by a private individual into a private bank. I mean, it doesn't seem like it should be United States government business, really. And uh, also, since they claim, the Latvian government claims that Citadelli Bank is a completely normal domestic retail bank, uh, and it's not very large either. I mean, by, by world standards, by United States standards, it's a very small bank. So how could it possibly make any sense for John Kerry to fly three times? I mean, he's a very busy man, but for him to fly three times to meet with the prime minister of Latvia to discuss Tim Collins and Tim Collins' investment in this bank uh, makes it seem like this bank must be much more important than what they're saying. You want to hear something really weird about, about uh, John Kerry? At, during the election, like right the day of the election, something like that, he flew to Antarctica to he was one of those people that flew to Antarctica to do some special meeting. You've heard about that, which is like, why the heck? 
Are they going down to Antarctica? Well, it's also the climate people who fly around on their private jets everywhere. I mean, this is a hypocrisy, but sure. Well, if, yes. you, if you don't need to fly somewhere, you're flying tens of thousands of miles like uh, yourself on a big jet, then this is, um, and you're saying at the same time that you're so worried about the climate, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But about Antarctica, no, I was not aware that he went there. Yeah, it's just weird. It's it's just weird because why does he care so much to go to? And he just does some weird things. But go ahead. Okay, so what what the producer of the documentary did, and he's a very brave guy. He did actually several things like this in this documentary, which makes it well worth watching it. He went to talk to John Kerry, and the place where he managed to corner John Kerry is in Glasgow, where there was this climate conference that was approximately one year ago. So he went to Glasgow, he caught John Kerry walking outside uh, with some of his aides, and uh, the producer, Ansys, ran up with his microphone, and he had another guy filming, and asked John Kerry a couple questions about this, like why was he making repeated visits to the Prime Minister of Latvia to discuss Tim Collins' investment in Citadel Bank? Uh, is there something going on there? Like, this... Um, seems like something really important must be going on there or else John Kerry wouldn't bother to fly three times to meet the prime minister and talk about it. And John Kerry's response is to uh, be completely rude and to uh, deny everything, say he has like no idea what Ansus is talking about. He doesn't know anything. I mean, for sure he knows something. He must remember that he flew three times to see the prime minister to talk about this bank. Uh, but he doesn't admit that he remembers this. It's more... Uh, I don't know anything was his response. And then at the end of Ansa's trying several times to ask a question, John Kerry says, get lost. And that's the, that's the end of it. You told him to get lost. So we gave you a couple still shots of that. So, <laughs> But anyway, I thought it was great that Ansa's found him on the sidewalk and was chasing him along the, the street there. So, so that's a mystery. So um, why is John Kerry involved with this private investor, Tim Collins, and what is going on with Citibank providing a correspondent account? I mean, this is a big thing with the war is that uh, the United States is supposed to be trying to not let the Putin regime use United States dollars. So, uh, but this is an instance where the Putin regime can use United States dollars because they have this correspondent account. And this is because of this Tim Collins and the EBRD and John Kerry, must know something about this, uh, but but all you get from him is saying that he doesn't know anything. Let's let's summarize that then. So they could use the U.S. dollars to help fund this war in Ukraine by doing this. Sure, that's one of the things. Another thing they can do is they can be uh, bribing people all over the world. I mean, they're trying to wreck other countries' democracies. They could be uh, there could be a lot of people in European governments and in the United States government. A lot of people could be secretly working for the Russians and they could be getting paid through that correspondent account. Wow. Okay. So there could be all sorts of other things going on. This is treason at the highest levels if that's going on here. Sure. And this is certain things are very easy to investigate, but nobody will uh, the fact that the EBRD's investment in that bank is very easy to investigate. It's actually written into Eurostat reports, and Eurostat is the official statistics source for the European Union. It's written into that. So the Latvian government won't talk about it. Actually, the Latvian government has even gone one step wor worse. They've, they've designated these secretly reversible privatizations as national secrets or state secrets, um, as if they were about national defense. So, oh, wait a minute. So that development bank 
uh, small latte or that small bank is considered a state secret. So whatever John Kerry is doing in that in in the country, that's considered state secrets. Yes, and if if a journalist publishes it in Latvia, he can be prosecuted and imprisoned, just oh like if God. he gave away where the military radars are or something. It's being now. It's not really about the military. It's about Latvia trying to hide what its real national debt is. That's part of it, and that's not supposed to be a state secret. I mean, if you're issuing bonds, you're supposed to say what your real national debt is. But Latvia is saying that it wants to issue bonds, but it doesn't want to tell anybody the truth about what the national debt is. And for some reason, these people, Kerry and Collins and this institution, the EBRD, are helping Latvia to falsify its national debt. So this is a big thing. And why should that be a state secret? Uh, in fact, in the European Union, the way the law is supposed to work in all of the countries is that you cannot make the financial condition of the country into a state secret. That state secrets are supposed to be for military they're not supposed to be for falsifying your national debt. I mean, everybody is supposed to know what the national debt is, like voters and citizens and taxpayers. They're supposed to know the true number of what the national debt actually is. And to say that it's a matter of state security that nobody is allowed to know what the national debt is, is totally absurd. Yeah, but they're also hiding what John Kerry, it's state secret what they're doing too. I mean, it's, it's like double whammy of what's going on. So whatever John Kerry is doing in that country, the country Latvia is saying is top secret. But yet there, yeah. but there's evidence to show that they're laundering money for Putin. Right. So why should that be a state secret for Latvia? Latvia is a member of the European Union and it's a member of NATO. And it's supposed to be on the same side with the United States and on the same side with Europe. So why is it that they're laundering money for Putin, that's one question. And another question is, uh, how can it possibly make sense for this to be a state secret? I mean, the only way in which it does make sense is it's about corruption. It's because there are people in the Latvian government who are getting bribed by Putin and they made it into a state secret. But it's not supposed to be a state secret. And for sure, John Kerry should know this. And for sure, Tim Collins also should know this. Oh my gosh. Okay, so now how does this relate to the John Kerry's climate czar BS that he's doing? Because it seems like now this whole climate thing is maybe the biggest scam. I mean, they're just gearing up after they've done the COVID scam. They did. I mean, they did 9-11 scam. They did COVID scam. They're doing all these scams. Now, this one is lining up to be maybe the biggest scam ever, although COVID is pretty well, I, I up have there. One, one more horrifying one which I'm going to toss in before I, I'm going to finish off with the climate scam, but because that's the biggest thing. But another thing that came out, this is just this year, you know, this whistleblowing has been going on for years, but every year that goes by, the story doesn't die. It actually gets worse every year because they, they <laughs> always discover more things that make it even worse than it was before. But you got involved. What happened is you fumbled along. It, all of us fumble into it. You know, good people fumble into it. You fumbled into the tip of the iceberg of the enchilada i think i mean you fum <laughs> you fumbled into what is their whole scam sure it's the top corrupt people in russia and the top corrupt people in america who are involved in this and uh yeah and again when i did this whistleblowing in the beginning i thought this was just about latvia and about a latvian bank i had no idea that this was going to connect up to people like putin and john Kerry, but it does so anyway this this new one that came out uh, this is actually, uh, ANSYS delayed the release of the documentary a little bit when this was discovered, I think, in April or May. So Putin has a yacht, 
that's a $700 million yacht, and it was located in Italy. It's still located in Italy, but it's arrested now. It's in a Italian military base. Um, Putin denies owning the yacht, and the person whose name is down as being the official owner of that yacht is Edward Kudanetov, and that person happens to be from the Tambovskaya Mafia, which is Putin's old mafia, which also was using my old bank, Parex, was their main money launderer. So that guy, Kudanetov, goes way far back with Putin, and apparently Putin uses him as a front where he, uh, Putin, I guess, doesn't own his big assets in his own name. He has certain people who act as fronts for him. That makes and sense. And I assume that this is done through, not through any kind of a legal agreement, but Putin just makes it clear to him that, like, look, your name is on this, but it's not yours. It's really mine, and we're just using your name or else. And if you try to do anything which I disagree with, then you're going to get it. Something like that, I assume, is how their relationship works. But anyway, that guy, Kudanetov, is one of the people who stole the assets from Parex. So when Parex Bank collapsed, um, that particular fraud I was not aware of. I knew of some other fake loans that went to some other oligarchs. But there was in the Latvian media actually came out that uh, that one of the fake loans from Parex was to this guy, Edward Kudanetov, and he was later revealed to be the front owner of Putin's superyacht. And an implication of that is that uh, United States, European Union, and United Kingdom taxpayers helped to pay for Putin's yacht because we paid to bail out that bank uh, after the money was stolen. And one of the people who stole the money was the same guy who went out and bought that super yacht uh, in his name, but on behalf of Putin. So uh, this is something. Now, again, getting back to the EBRD, which is supposed to be fostering democracy, why would they be protecting this guy? I mean, this guy is a criminal. He's closely associated with Putin. He's stealing a lot of money. And he put this $700 million yacht into his name to protect Putin, but it's not really his yacht. And uh, how does that connect with any of the missions of the EBRD or any of the missions of the Democrats? Uh, people who are talking about democracy and equality and fairness or whatever, uh, that this is so far outside of of what they say that they're doing, that it's incredible that they're helping this guy to steal our money to pay for Putin's yacht. And that's in the documentary. In fact, there are some great still shots that I, I know that we have from the documentary. Ansis was super brave. He went to the Italian military base where that yacht is kept. And he was making drone photography and regular photography of that yacht in an area where I don't think he was really supposed to be filming anything because it's an Italian military base. But he got some great shots of himself with the yacht behind him, and you can get an idea how large this thing is. And then when you start thinking about how, uh, thanks to certain corrupt people in the governments uh, that we paid for this, it's really horrifying. <laughs> it's just the whole thing isn't incredible but it, you know it fits with it fits that they're doing stuff like this the more i learn about them the more i'm like well i mean we know what these people are and now we just have to protect ourselves and get these things cleaned up and not be part of these people anymore at least i because you get to the point where you're not going to be able to fix everything but you sure can insulate yourself and start chopping chopping away at making the world a better place at least in our little neck of the world. I mean, because this is just unacceptable, as you know. I mean, this is incredible. Okay, let's talk. You have well, well, sure. And and I'll say something nice to you, Sarah, is that a very important part of first step of fixing some of these problems is getting the problems into the media. 
Um, the mainstream media in the United States and in Europe, every time they write about the EBRD, they write about how the EBRD is this uh, altruistic, save the world champion of democracy organization. That's the official narrative, and that's what they put into the articles in the mainstream media. When you start to look at the details, like the detail about this guy who stole all this money and he's protected by the EBRD and he paid for Putin's yacht, then you say, well, wait a minute, what the EBRD is actually doing is totally opposite to what the narrative is. And this is what I wish more journalists would wake up about. But, uh, you know, you do a, an important service by putting this onto your program because uh, voters should know about these things. They should. The only way to clean it up is to bright is to shine light on it. That's why I'm doing what I do because I realize that there really is a lack of this. And even the people who are trying to do it, I'm not sure if, you know, I I, I don't know. I just I, th there's just a lack of really bringing good information to to people and how we can actually deal with this. This is, this is a difficult technical subject. And so a lot of people stay away from these, but we can't because this is how it all works. And this is what they're doing. And it affects us greatly. Sure. And exposing it, exposing it is important. And then hopefully when things are exposed, voters make decisions, you know, based on the information which they get from the media. Well, and it affects us greatly, doesn't it? It, it People don't realize how much banking really, the money situation, the economy, the economy, stupid, it really affects us. Sure. I mean, we even have a war now and who knows how big this <laughs> war can get, but uh, no, people are dying for sure. This is, this is, uh, this is a big thing that's happening. It's not funny. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's like, what do you call it? Tra traumatic laughter or uh, what do you call well, it? It's a, I think it's a natural response when people hear about something that's so horrible that they can't process it in their brain that they sometimes laugh as their natural result like oh my god that's the most terrible thing i ever heard and then they laugh a little bit well it just yeah it's, it's not only you everybody does this <laughs> uh, no it's not it's not funny and i like i laugh a lot I, I people that listen to me don't get on my case anymore that know me but at first they're like how could you laugh like i've heard you just heard the most horrible thing it was you know when i'm interviewing a pedophile file or do, I mean I don't do that as that much because it's so horrible but I have or something that's just absolutely horrifying that they do to children I'll laugh and it's not because it's funny I mean at any stretch of the imagination so yeah you're right it's some kind of natural defense that people do <laughs> so yeah, it has to be yeah okay so now we're getting up to the the really big thing which is that all the stuff that we've talked about so far this is confirmed. I mean, the, the frauds with the EBRD are confirmed. They're they're written down on reports from Eurostat, even though they're not in the media in Latvia. And even though the Western media is still saying narratives about the EBRD, it is confirmed that these uh, privatizations of Parex Bank and Citadelli Bank were both fake, where Latvia secretly paid the EBRD to make these yeah. investments. And this serves to protect the Russian mafia money launderers. Now I'm getting a little bit speculative, but there are kind of too many coincidences for me to think that there's nothing to this. So uh, there was this concept that came up in the United States and also came up in the European Union around the same time. I think actually the European Union was just after the United States, this idea came up and they were kind of copying. But it's this idea that, okay, we have this climate crisis and how are we going to fix the climate crisis that uh, we're going to spend a trillion dollars and this is going to fix the climate crisis. 
Now, there's there's other ways to fix the climate crisis that, I mean, if if uh, we need to fix something, there's things that you can do that don't cost a trillion dollars. Like, for example, you could just increase the taxes on gasoline. If you just increase the tax on gasoline, uh, you don't add anything to the uh, federal deficit. I mean, actually, the federal government would make money from that, from just increasing the price of gasoline, and then people wow. naturally would drive less, and this would maybe help but that that doesn't really work for the democrats because well what they want you could yeah I, I got i mean there's 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 a lot of efficient energy solutions in science that they've been bearing for a long time so there are and not i'm not talking the carbon zero or or even their their battery system that's another make money making thing there are serious solutions with hydrogen and other things that they could do and they could plant trees too I mean, there's just... sure. I, I think that the, I mean, I'm not saying that uh, green energy is a fake thing. I mean, I do think that there's ways to make power that are better and ways to make power that are worse. And it would be nice for society to switch over to cleaner methods. But I don't think the trillion dollars for the Green Deal no. is really about that. I think it's no, more of yes. a big boondoggle to hand out money to all their supporters and to create huge new bureaucracies, which create new opportunities for that's more corruption. Right. That that's what I see the the Green Deal as. Um, so there's the United States idea about a green deal and, and if that will happen in the future, maybe John Kerry is the one who's lined up to be responsible for that. So maybe that's why, uh, he's in the position that he's in and maybe that's why he's doing certain things that he's doing in Europe. The same idea came up, uh, to spend a trillion euros also on a green deal. And, uh, again, not to just increase the price, the tax on the gasoline, but rather to make some kind of huge monstrous bureaucracy that for sure most of the money is going to get wasted to uh, spend this trillion euros supposedly to fix the problem. Now, the guy in Europe who has been promoting this and wants to be put in charge of it is named Valdis Dombrovskis. He used to be the prime minister of Latvia, and he's actually the same guy who signed the agreement with the EBRD that was the fraud uh, to protect Parex Bank and Citadel Bank. Okay, so who? what did he get put in charge of? Well, he got made into European Commission Executive Vice President. And the European Commission has all these ridiculous titles that they use for people, and he's had several different functions. He was for a while responsible for integrity, and then he's responsible for something called an economy that works for all people. He, he has these different uh, titles, and every six months or so they change what his uh, official function is. But he's executive vice president of the European Commission. <clears throat> Uh, everybody in the European media protects him. They always write down that he's a wonderful guy and he's trying to rescue all of us and he's concerned about democracy and equality. Uh, they won't put down uh, details that they're uncomfortable with, like that he signed a fraudulent deal that covered up the looting of a bank that was connected with the Kremlin. They won't put that into the media, but they'll instead put flattering things all the time about him into the media. Well, that makes you realize that this is a cover up. Now, so what... Okay, repeat again what so, his so role he's was in Latvia, and then, because um, because now he's in charge of the European side of the Green New Deal, right? And what was his? Well, role he wants Latvia? to be put in charge of that. So what he wants is that Europe will spend a trillion euros on a Green Deal. I mean, Europe is also almost broke, so I don't think they actually can do it. But if he had his way, they would also do it, and they would make a trillion euros, issue a trillion euros of bonds that they're never going to pay back. And then he would make a huge bureaucracy, which I'm sure would be completely corrupt, which would be supposedly for fighting the climate change. So he is connected with this bank in Latvia, Cit uh, Citadelle Bank, because okay. he's the one who made the fake deal.
deal to pretend to sell part of it to the EBRD. Now, the other guy on the United States side is John Kerry. So since John Kerry is the climate czar, and since uh, there are certain people in the United States who also want to make a huge uh, trillion dollar green deal, that uh, he is one of the people who's positioned such that maybe he would be put in charge of that. So that's we a have... huge connection. That is incredible. Okay. Well, yeah, it's two guys in the whole world. It's Dombrovskis and Kerry, and Dombrovskis is the Green Deal guy for Europe, and Kerry is the Green Deal guy for the United States. And, and they're both involved both of them in are this connected bank. To this tiny bank that is supposedly insignificant in Latvia, but which actually is connected with the Kremlin. And, and then you wonder, is all this coordinated? And it's under um, national security, so nobody can go into it. Right, nobody can talk about it. If you talk about it, you get arrested. If you're in Latvia, see, we could not. Uh, what we're talking about right now is because we're outside of Latvia. But if we would be inside of Latvia talking about this, you know, the police might be knocking on the door. Jeez Louise. Okay, that these are huge connections. Sure. So I think that this is something that is, uh, you know, a looming catastrophe of an enormous amount of money that's going to be lost and. Uh, you know, it's about economic collapse. It's about, you know, is the United States going to be rich going forward? Is Europe going to be rich going forward? Well, if they take a, th a trillion euros and they give it away to corrupt people and take a trillion dollars and give it away to corrupt people, then uh, for sure, uh, living standards and everybody's uh, everybody's lives is going to be negatively impacted by this. So I think this is something that I mean, a, a good starting point to kind of reveal everything that's going on, I think, is with the EBRD, because that's where it's easiest to prove certain things, where the EBRD for sure has been doing these fake bank investments where they get secretly paid. But then to uh, connect Dombrovskis into it is actually really easy because he signed that deal uh, to connect Kerry into it or, or Tim Collins into it. Um, this mystery of why does John Kerry uh, care so much about this seemingly insignificant bank located in Latvia? And also, why does John Kerry care so much about a personal investment made by Tim Collins? I mean, Tim Collins is an American citizen, and he made an investment. But, you know, every time an American citizen makes an investment somewhere, it doesn't mean that a senior person in the government is flying back and forth to have repeated meetings with the prime minister of that country to monitor that investment. So for sure, it's something bigger than that is happening, and Kerry should explain what it is. Tim Collins should explain whether his uh, investment is real, whether he actually put up money to make that investment, or whether that investment has some kind of secret guarantee, or if Latvia fronted the money for him that he invested into the bank, which is sort of the same concept. I mean, either Latvia gave him the money up front or promised to give him the money later, I mean, to cover his investment and also an automatic profit on the investment, even if the bank collapses. So, uh, yeah, how did Collins get involved in this and how did Kerry get involved with this? And also a Citibank. Does Citibank know what they're involved with? Because Citibank, uh, not only with that Citadel, but also with uh, the other banks I mentioned in Armenia and Cyprus, there's even another one in Lithuania that's similar as well. The EBRD is supposedly a shareholder in those banks, and those banks are well known to be Russian mafia money laundering banks, and they somehow all have uh, access to United States dollar correspondent accounts at Citibank. And does Citibank realize the huge risk they've put upon themselves? If anybody wakes up at the U.S. Treasury and realizes what's going on, that the Russian mafia has banks in four countries, and these four countries, these four banks all have correspondent accounts at Citibank, and they can run as many billions of dollars through these accounts as they want to, to undermine everybody's democracies. Uh, the U.S. Treasury 
should get really angry at Citibank, obviously. I mean, there should be a huge liability for Citibank. So why did Citibank even do this? Or maybe they're being duped and they don't really understand it. Or maybe Tim Collins explains it to them wrong and he knows what they're doing. But, uh, you know, maybe the people who work in the correspondent banking department at Citibank don't really know this and they're just trusting Tim Collins. I don't know. But for sure, these things are things that questions that should be in the media questions that should be put to these people to answer to what they're doing. That, look, the evidence says that you're doing this and this and this. Can you please explain why you're doing these things? And these questions are not being asked and they should be asked. Well, yeah. Okay. Now, do you think that the United States, our political situation is so messed up? Do you think that there is um, enough people who aren't corrupt who aren't on the take and who are smart enough, let's face it, there's a lot of people that just don't understand banking or understand even how to look into this. Is there enough smart enough people who have the fortitude, who have the integrity to protect our situation? I mean, because this is this is the future of the United States, isn't it? I mean, what what could happen? Okay, I want you to answer if we have the integrity and enough people, but what could happen if they don't take care of this? Well, uh, something that's my opinion about integrity or if you talk about uh, like self-interest versus altruism or something is I don't see any of this effort to expose these things as being altruism necessarily I mean I think it's self-interest to me I want society to be nice in the future I want Europe and North America to have nice democratic governments I like people to be able to have normal careers have families enjoy their lives and uh, not to be uh, ripped off constantly by all these crooks in the governments um, so I, I see it as a, like a rational self-interest thing to have integrity in these situations. I mean, if you don't have integrity, it's basically like you don't care if your country gets blown up. But uh, if you do care and you want your country to be successful, you want it to be free in the future, you don't want your country in the future to turn into another North Korea, but you want it to be free and prosperous, then uh, then integrity is the path to this. I mean, to uh, ask questions to people, to put evidence into the media, and to really try to get to the bottom of this and expose certain things that are going on. And it doesn't even have to be done in some kind of uh, rude and accusative way. I mean, with John Kerry and with Tim Collins, it's a matter of, uh, you know, we should ask them some questions. Maybe they have some reasonable answers to these questions. I don't know. I mean, since nobody will answer, ask the questions to them, then I don't know what their answers would be. Uh, but at least somebody should at least somebody should put the evidence up and say, look, this is the evidence. Can you please explain what you guys are doing? Well, and then there's state secrets. All this stuff is confidential. And all stuff. Whenever you start dealing with that, where they're trying to hide everything, I have a hard time. I don't know. I just why is why are they covering all this up? And why did you pick these banks to do it, knowing that everything is covered up? Well, sure. And uh, I mean, another thing about whistleblowing in general, what I would always hope, okay, now being a whistleblower where everybody knows who you are, I see how, I mean, because I live this, I see how it's very stressful. Uh, you know, you feel constantly uh, looking over your shoulder and wondering what's going to happen to you next if everybody knows that you are the whistleblower. But there are ways to be a whistleblower where you where nobody knows who you are. I mean, where you maybe work inside one of these organizations and you find out all this terrible information and you just put it all online, but you don't attach your name to it. So uh, it is possible for huge amounts of useful information to get out onto the uh, internet so that the public knows what's going on and where the whistleblower 
uh, has helped his country by exposing certain things that are going on, but at the same time does not have the personal risk because nobody knows who he is. I, I think that that would be an important thing. And for sure, there are some people in the world, some people in Europe and some people in America would do that if they would be in a government department and they'd find out about something really terrible going on, that they would at least try to get the information out there somehow, even if they try to do it anonymously. Well, and I always say that even the drug dealers, this would be in their best interest. Even the people you would think are criminals, um, they should want this too for their own families. So, I mean, this is a, a this is just what we should be doing. Whether you, no matter what kind of environment you're part of, you should want to do this too. Well, rich people generally, okay, so suppose you're a rich person, but you live in the environment that's Russia. Uh you're not protected. Your assets are not protected. If the power shifts in the government, uh, they can just take everything away from you and give it to somebody else that maybe you used to be connected and now you're not connected anymore. And maybe a new person is connected. So the oil firm that you stole from the government, maybe they just take it away from you and give it to somebody else. But the rich people are not protected in this kind of environment. I mean, I think it's a mistake to say that somehow this benefits the rich people. I mean, all of this uh, fraud and corruption and secrecy, I don't think it really makes anybody safe because I think you arrive at a situation where nobody is safe, no property is safe, nothing that you earn is uh, you know, protected like it's really yours because you're in this corrupt criminal environment where anything can be taken from you. Uh, the police are on the side of the crooks instead of on the side of uh, truth and honesty and things get covered up, don't get reported in the media or nobody's allowed to talk to about them because they're state secrets. I really don't think this helps anybody. And uh, for sure there are uh, some, even from Russia, there are some wealthy people who are uh, opposed to this criminal system. I mean, who there are some rich people from Russia who honestly earn their money. And those people for sure don't benefit from this kind of a system where uh, like if Putin wants to take their company from them and give it to somebody else that he can just do that. Uh, how does it really help anybody? So I would say for sure for all of human society everywhere that it uh, would be better to have honest government and would be better that, uh, you know, that truth is in the media and that voters know what they're doing when they're voting, that they know what the true information is about the candidates. I think this is for everybody's benefit. So, yeah, I hope that there's uh, some people in the United States and in Europe who are in government who understand this. And, uh, you know, that's going to be good for the future. If nobody understands that, then that's uh, bad for the future. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Okay. Where can people learn more about this? Because this is, it's a difficult subject, but it's not that you've made it pretty easy to understand. Your book helps people <laughs> understand kind of the basics of this, even though it's not uh, the, the same people and it's fiction fictional situations. It helps people sort of get their idea of how these things happen. So that's a good thing to read. But where can people learn more about you, these situations? I am going to post the the documentary that you mentioned um, as well, and I'll post a link to your book. But what else can people follow and learn more about this? Okay, yeah, the, the two things that we've been discussing so far, I mean, one is KGB Banker, and I'm super proud of that. I think it turned out great. It's it's great on a, uh, I mean, I have a co-author, William Burton McCormick, so I'll give him much of the credit. I think we did a great job with the characters and the suspense. It, it's, it's fun and it's exciting to read. Um, that's just on a fiction level. When you start to think about uh, how it's not really an exaggeration of what's going on and the things that are really going on are just as bad or maybe even worse than what's in the book. 
uh, then it gets kind of truly scary. But uh, it, it's done to be an entertaining thriller, and I think people will enjoy it. And they'll, it'll, it's something that makes you think about certain things in the world, how our financial system works, how the media works. So that one, uh, KGB Banker, is on Amazon. It's in print and Kindle and Audible, and I hope people will check it out. And then the other one, this Ansys Pupuls and his company, nemelua.lv, N-E-M-E-L-O.lv, uh, that's the website. It means no lies. Nemelua means uh, no lies. That's the name of his company. And, and he has this most recent documentary. It's called The Roof 2. Uh, I mean, it's about the the Russians use the word roof to mean like the mafia that you pay protection up to. So it, it, the name of this documentary is The Roof and it's part two because part one was last year. And that's, um, it's for free now. It was televised originally in Latvia, uh, but now it's, uh, that was about two months ago and now it's out for free. It's on that website. It has English subtitles on it so everybody can watch it and understand it. Uh, there are some other good uh, videos he has up there as well. In fact, a couple of things about climate and about Valdis Dombrovskis as well. And uh, yeah, and I think he deserves big uh, applause for chasing down John Kerry on the street and trying to put tough questions to John Kerry. I think also uh, trying to get his drone into the Italian military base and film Putin's yacht was uh, quite an accomplishment. I'm not sure a yeah, lot of wow. Turkish tried to do that. But um, yeah, those are the things. KGB banker and this nemelua.lv. And for other sorts of information, I, I think what you need to do out there with all the different media and with all a lot of disinformation in the media is uh, people need to apply their own rational thinking to uh, what they read in the media to make judgments about what seems to be really true and what seems to be not really true. You can't just read everything that you see on the Internet and believe everything. I mean, no. there needs to be some kind of judgment or even from uh, mainstream media sources. I mean, even if it's coming from CNN or BBC, uh, think a little bit about uh, what they're saying and whether it makes sense and whether it tallies together with other things that you know. And um, sure, I mean, I know that you do this, so I'm not like telling you that you need to do this. But people, voters in general, I wish would do this. I don't trust anything from the mainstream media because I've seen too many, I've seen it too much, right? I mean, I have once you're in this for a while, you're, you're kind of horrified at how much they lie. But I don't even know if they all know how much they lie, but they do. Yeah, and the extent to which this is all purposeful and the extent to which some people are just uh, behaving like sheep and they don't really know what they're doing, uh, I don't know. But for sure, these are, conspiracies are just a joke. I mean, there are some very large conspiracies going on. These development banks for sure are conspiracies. Uh, the Green Deal, which uh, maybe it'll never happen, but if it does happen, I think that that's going to be a big conspiracy and that's going to be something for real. Yeah, because we do have issues. I mean, we have animals that are, you know, could go extinct and things. I mean, we have some serious issues, but the way they're doing it isn't serious. And that, I think that makes me angry though, because we do have serious issues and they're just plundering the money and the resources when we could be doing something for, I, I care more about the pollution and the animals and things. I mean, we do have issues, but they're not serious about it. That makes me mad. Well, they take something that's important and then they twist it around and make it into a corruption opportunity. And whether it's 
fostering That's democracy right. in the former communist countries or whether it's helping the environment. That's right. I do think that these are important things to do. But the problem is, is that there are people with no ethics whatsoever who are out there who try to twist these things around and then they'll say, oh, you're against the Green Deal. Does that mean that you hate the environment or you're against the EBRD? Does that mean that you hate democracy? And then they kind of oversimplify things like that. And you say, well, no, actually, I love the environment. However, I just think that this particular project is not going to help the environment and it's just a boondoggle. Or, yeah, I do want uh, countries to have successful democracies, but I don't think that this development bank is really helping by making these top secret deals that nobody can talk about that are deceptive and that reverse themselves back again, that uh, this is not helping democracy. So, um, sure. It's worse. It's taking the resources away from something that we could do to help democracy. It's taking resources away from stuff we could do to help clean up pollution and help the animals on the planet. You know, it's just, it's worse. Sure, I agree. And it makes it even more uh, offensive and horrifying if you understand what's going on to see how somebody would take something that's important like fostering democracy or protecting the environment and they would twist it around into a corruption opportunity. But there are a lot of people who I guess don't care and they'll do, they'll do that if they can get money from that. And then they use the innocent, the people who do really care. It's like their most important issue. And then they weaponize them against people who are trying to get people to understand the truth. And so now we're in this. Sure. It's a lot about system. duping people also. And duping people is not a very nice thing. That's <laughs> not a very nice thing. No, it's not. Okay. Well, thank you so much, John. I appreciate everything that you're doing. I appreciate your courage. I think it's so important. I, I just wish more people would look under the covers here, investigate it, and we get to the bottom of it because that's what you're trying to get people to do. Look into this. Let's look into it and get to the truth because that's how we can solve these problems. We've got to shine light on it. Okay, thank you, Sarah. And I much appreciate your work. And I think that you are one of the important people out there who is shining a light on these things. And I appreciate your work. Oh, well, thank you, John. You have a wonderful day. Have a good Thanksgiving that's coming up. And and if we don't talk before, well, we'll talk before the Christmas. I'll be sending you links. But anyways, have a great holidays. Okay, thank you, Sarah. Yes, enjoy the holidays.